I think we can all agree that learning is more fun when you do it with friends, right? So if one of your summer goals is to learn more about the science of reading and how to incorporate it into your classroom, then let me invite you to join our free summer book study. During the month of June, we are gonna be hosting a free book study for teachers just like you, where we are gonna work our way through the book, Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into Your Upper Elementary Classroom. And we'd love to have you join us. We're gonna read one chapter a week and inside our book study Facebook group, you're gonna get to participate in things like our weekly Facebook Live, discussion posts, you're gonna get some really awesome freebies and the chance to win some stellar prizes. All of this is going to help you align your instruction with the science of reading next year. It's gonna be fun. And even if you don't think you'll have time to read every single chapter, still consider joining. You're gonna get a lot out of the group even if you don't have time to read the entire text. So I hope to see you this summer where we can all learn alongside each other. You can sign up at stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. And I'll see you inside our group. You're listening to episode number 24 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I am super excited about today's episode because we have one of my dear friends, Jamie Sears from the Not So Wimpy Teacher here with us today. And if you know Jamie, then you know that she is a bit of a writing guru. She has tons of helpful tips and resources to make teaching writing easier for teachers and more fun for students. And you guys, today we are gonna have a great conversation about how to make your reluctant writers actually excited about writing. So Jamie, welcome. I am super excited to have you as my guest on my podcast today. Thank you, Sarah. This is fun. I'm excited to be here. And just in case my audience doesn't know who you are yet, could you go ahead and introduce yourself to them? Absolutely. So I'm Jamie. I'm the mother of five, soon to be six. And I decided to be a teacher as like a second career because I found out I like to be around kids better than adults. And now I have the opportunity, which I consider a huge blessing, to be able to create professional development and curriculum for teachers in grades two through five. My business is called Not So Wimpy Teacher, and we are just really pumped up to help teachers make writing effective and fun because we find that most teachers dread teaching writing. I can totally relate to that. I feel like I was one of those teachers that dreaded teaching writing. And now that I'm not in the classroom and I see all of these resources available to teachers and a lot of the things that you provide, I'm like, wait a minute, I want to go back now and teach writing because it actually seems like it's a lot of fun to teach students if you know what you're doing. 
Yeah, and I think that's the thing is that if we really think back to our college classes when we were becoming a teacher, there were a lot more classes focused on reading and math. Oftentimes that literacy course we took sort of skimmed over writing and focused a little more on how to teach reading. And so when we went to the classroom, we didn't have a lot of confidence about teaching writing because really we didn't quite know how to do it. So it's not really your fault if you feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And you're also not an island. I found that the majority of elementary school teachers feel like they don't know what they're doing when it comes to teaching writing. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better about what I was in the classroom. Okay. But I'm a little bit curious because I know you serve, you know, upper elementary teachers in all subject areas, but I also know that writing is a huge part of, you know, how you serve teachers and it's a huge passion for you. So I'm curious, were you a natural born writer or what is it that inspired you to make teaching writing such a big part of what you do? I actually pushed against it, Sarah. So I I can't say that I chose it for myself. I feel like teachers picked it for me. So yes, I would say I was a natural born writer. I wanted to be a writer as a child. And um, when I was in elementary school, I used to check out the thesaurus from the library and sit up against the wall during recess reading the thesaurus. I used to apply to like young authors competitions. I used to write books on my dad's laptop that he brought home from work. I thought I was going to be an author. So when I became a teacher, I just assumed I'd be a good writing teacher because I like writing. And so I thought, well, naturally, if I'm a good writer, I'll be a good writing teacher. It turns out that is not true. I, I, that is just simply not true. I was the worst writing teacher. I didn't know what I was doing. And so I gave the worst writing lessons. My kids were super confused. The kids who already loved writing and did well, continued to do well, but the kids who struggled with writing, who didn't see themselves as writers, well, they just continued to do poorly. I wasn't really making a difference and I could tell that I wasn't making a difference. And I was frustrated because I like writing. So why is it so hard for me to teach it? I started to look at what was going well in my reading block and what was going well in my math block. And I realized, why am I not taking some of these same strategies and applying them to my writing block? Why am I acting like this is a, a totally different beast when in reality, this workshop model was working very well for me in reading and math. So I started to change up the way I was teaching writing, which was scary, but you, there's nowhere to go but up when you look at how bad my writing lessons were. And so I started just experimenting. I started with some small groups for conferencing. I started making my lessons a little shorter. I started spending more time on a specific topic instead of rushing through everything. And I saw growth in my students. But more importantly, my students started getting excited about writing. Like they wanted to write. So early in my career, I put writing at the very end of the day, last 30 minutes. And I always hoped that reading and math would go a little long. And then I'd be like, oh, it's okay, guys. We'll just skip writing today. That was my hope. In fact, if there was a fire drill, I was down for that. I meant, oh, no, no time for writing today. But as I started to experiment and learn how to teach writing better, I saw my kids get excited. Now they're at recess begging to go in to start writing workshops. I saw this just incredible change in my students, which pumped me up. And when I started to do professional development for teachers, I really focused on math because that was my favorite subject to teach. And they just kept saying, hey, help us in writing. Help us, help us. And I kind of pushed back like, "Uh, you know, guys, I wasn't a great writing teacher. And then I realized um, they're in the same boat I was in 
They don't have the time. And sometimes you're just so stressed and tired that figuring out new and better strategies is difficult when you are immersed in all the other things you have to do in the classroom. And so I finally listened and I started to help teachers to become better writing teachers. And now just seeing them get excited about their new strategies, their new skills, it motivates me and it's become a huge part of what we do because it's so needed. That's awesome. And I can totally relate to how you taught writing. I was the same way. I'm like, okay, if I push this off to the end of the day, maybe we'll run out of time and I won't have to teach writing today. And then I remember there'd be weeks and we'd get to the end of the week and I'm like, we didn't teach writing at all this week. And I felt a little bit guilty about it as a teacher, but at the same time, I also had kind of this relief because I was like, I, I felt like I didn't know how to effectively teach it to my students. And I know a lot of teachers can relate to that. So I'm glad that you have gone through this writing transformation and have figured out effective ways to teach writing because I know a lot of teachers benefit from it. And I also know that it's really important to you that students have fun teaching writing and you have a lot of tips for how can teachers get their reluctant writers to actually enjoy teaching writing. And that's one of the things I felt like I struggled with, even though I found maybe some ways to become a better writing teacher. If my students weren't writing, they weren't going to improve. So if teachers have students who are reluctant to write, if they don't want to actually engage in the writing process, where do they even begin to try to help those students make growth? Yes, this is a good question. And you said, if they have reluctant writers, I want to say every teacher has reluctant writers. So don't even feel bad. If you have reluctant writers, then you are a totally normal teacher. In every classroom, there will be at least a handful of reluctant writers. And some of your listeners are probably like, like my whole class is reluctant. And that happens too. And it's okay. There's a couple of reasons your writers are probably reluctant. One is that they probably haven't had an experience in their past yet where they felt like a good writer. And as long as you feel like you're not good at something, you don't really put that much effort towards it, right? They don't see themselves as a good writer because in the past, all their writing samples have come back with red ink all over them. Then when you tell them, you're a writer, I believe in you, they have this these past thoughts in their head that they are no good. So they just don't put in the extra effort. That is probably a handful of your students. There are other students who are reluctant because they don't see it as fun. They have been given tons of writing assignments. Maybe they didn't love the topics and they found it as a chore. As long as you consider it a chore, you're not going to get super excited when your teacher says, hey, it's time for writing. And students have gotten away with being reluctant and not writing. Um, a lot of teachers say, you know, I don't really do writing because my te- my students don't really like it. They never write more than a sentence anyway. And so they have some bad habits that the good news is you can break. You can be a different writing teacher than they've had in the past. And that's the really good news, especially if you're starting in the elementary school grade levels, it's easy to turn them around. If you're trying to take an adult And tell them that they can be a good writer is much trickier. But you can turn these writers around with just like a few different strategies. I'm going to say where you should start is that we have to build some confidence. One thing that I was doing as a writer, writing teacher, and I'll own up to it. Maybe you do it too, is that I'd sit down for this mini lesson, which was not many at all. It was just a halt. Yeah, it's just a whole bunch of me talking and them kind of like snoozing and staring at the clock. 
And I would be like, okay, guys, we're going to do opinion writing today. Here's your prompt. Now, remember, all good opinion writers have an opinion statement, and you should have some facts in there. And don't forget reasons and examples and have a conclusion. Don't forget to have a really good lead. Go write. Well, who's going to be a great writer when everything's just sort of thrown at you all at once? That's not how you learn a new skill. That's not how we teach them multiplication. That's not how we teach them grammar. That's not how we teach any of our other skills. But somehow in writing, we have a tendency to do that where we just sort of skim through like, this is what good writers do. Go do it. Instead of breaking it down and actually showing them very concrete examples of good writing and bringing it to small small tasks, small skills. I think it is so imperative, especially with reluctant writers, but really with all writers, that we take all of the skills that great writers do and we break it down so we are only focusing on one tiny one per day or per per few days even. Some of them take a few days to model and practice that we're not asking them to focus on 20 skills at once because that's hard, especially when you don't have a lot of writing experience. So instead of asking them to write good leads and good endings and opinion statements, Today, let's just look at leads and let's look at leads tomorrow too. Let's really only focus on leads. You don't have to worry about any other piece of your writing today, which frees them up and it makes it so doable, right? So your reluctant writer's like, I only have to write one sentence. Oh, like my teacher last year wanted me to write five paragraph essays. I can write one sentence. And here's the thing. I'd rather write them, them write that one quality lead today. And then Tomorrow or the next day, we can pick up with the next skill. In the end, we might have a shorter piece of writing, but it's going to be quality. And your reluctant writers are going to be able to get on board with that because it's manageable day to day. So I think that's a great place to start. I love that. And as you're talking about that, I was like, that was me for many years of teaching writing. And I think I did the whole, you know, have to write a lead and it has to be engaging and you have to indent your paragraphs and don't forget to, you know, all of these things. And I think I did that because I felt guilty that I wasn't teaching writing every day. So when I did teach it, I was like, let me jam pack in as many objectives as I possibly can. But that makes sense because that's how we teach reading in the small bite-sized mini lessons. Here's one specific strategy to identify main idea, not here's all of the strategies. And I also love how when you really think about writing from that perspective, not only does it help students, but as a teacher, it's so much easier to plan. Like I'm just teaching them to write one sentence for a lead. That's a lot more, I think, manageable for teachers too. So I love that. And the way you explained it, I'm like, yeah, I can see how that would really help reluctant writers to feel more excited about writing. Now it's, it sounds really great, right? But I have to think about myself as like a first, second, third year writing teacher. I was still like, okay, but What if I don't know all the skills I'm supposed to teach? I kind of feel like our reading standards and our math standards did a better job of breaking down each of the skills we're supposed to teach. But if you look at the writing standards, it's like your students will be able to write a personal narrative. Your students will be able to write an opinion essay. It didn't list out all the skills I was supposed to teach, which made it a lot harder for me to feel confident as a teacher. So one thing that I've done to help just improve your confidence, give you a good starting point of how what, what little mini lessons should I be teaching? We created a pacing guide for you that has all of the different skills in an order that we think makes sense. Of course, you're the teacher. You can move them around if you need to. But I think more than anything, it shows you all the different skills and strategies you could be teaching your students. And they're broken down into those little bite-sized pieces that all of your writers, especially your reluctant writers, will be able to handle and succeed with. So Sarah, we're going to go ahead and give you a link to that so you can share it with your listeners. That is awesome. They will appreciate that for sure. And yeah, I think like 
it's all about thinking about how can we help our reluctant writers get more excited. And I think for teachers, though, sometimes it's they don't even know where to begin. You know, I know there are so many teachers that I connect with that they want to be good writing teachers or they want to be good reading teachers, but they might not have the support or the curriculum or, you know, even just like the experience. And so anytime we can give them a place to start, that's awesome. So thank you for sharing that with my audience. Hey, teachers, I'm going to go ahead and take a wild guess and say many of you are already planning for the upcoming school year. You may be scrolling through Pinterest looking for fresh and fun reading lesson ideas, or maybe you're spending more of your own money on fluffy resources that won't actually pay off. Hashtag teacher life, right? Well, I've been there, and that's why I have a better idea for you. Enter the Stellar Teacher Reading Membership. My membership is a resource library that will totally transform the way you teach reading. With an extensive resource library, planned lessons, coaching support, and an incredible community, you'll never waste time searching for ways to enrich your reading block again. Doors are open July 12th and will only be open for one week. Head to stellarteacher.com slash waitlist for more details. I'll see you on the inside. And hey, until then, get out there and enjoy your summer. What else can teachers do besides do the mini lessons to help get their reluctant writers or really all of their writers excited about writing? Yeah. So I was struggling with feedback, but the reality is the more we give our students feedback, then they'll be able to grow. And as they grow, they gain confidence. And that's what we really need our reluctant writers to have, right? Is a little bit of confidence. We need them to feel like I am a good writer. My teacher loved this part of my writing, so I can't wait to show her the next part. We want our students to feel that. But the problem is, I don't know about you, but this is how it was in my classroom. Like, I'm running around like this crazy lady, desk to desk. You got students going, you know, read this, Mrs. Sears. Is this good? Is this what what I'm supposed to be doing? Hey, how do you spell this word? I have nothing to write about. And then you also have students who will never raise their hand because they don't want you to come near them and find out that you're doing nothing. Those are usually your most reluctant writers. I feel so like I'm having a flashback right now. You just <laughs> described my writing block perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's like a marathon. You're just running around. No wonder you don't want to do it at the end of the day, too. Like when you're super tired, Sarah and I actually were talking before we start recording about how even in our work day, we like to do some of our toughest work earliest so that we're not as tired. But strangely, we would save our toughest subject for the last part of the day because we thought we wouldn't get to it. But we're also now doing it when we're super exhausted. And so that marathon of going from desk to desk. Look, we don't look forward to it at all. But the reality is, if you think about it, you're running from desk to desk. You're not getting to every student. How could you? It's impossible. Some students are going to capitalize your time. You're going to have some behavior issues you're going to have to deal with. And so the students who probably needed you the most to give them the feedback, the encouragement, they didn't raise their hand and they probably didn't get the attention because you were so busy going from desk to desk. I realized my students just weren't getting feedback enough. So I tried the like author's chair. I'd heard about it and I thought, well, that's cute. I want to do that. I decorated up a chair. And so every day we tried to have one or two students sit up and read their story to the whole class at the end of the writing period. First of all, I don't have that much time for writing and listening to a third grader read their writing was really challenging. We were lucky if we got one per day. Honestly, a lot of times I was like, Ugh, I don't have it in me today. The kids were trying to listen, but they were antsy. It was the very end of the day at this point, and they're antsy. And the third graders trying to read, they can't read their own handwriting. They're struggling through their story, so it's not fluent reading, which makes it really hard for a class of eight-year-olds to listen to it. And I realized, like, 
I'm, it takes a month or more to get through the whole class. They're not actually sharing their writing. They're not getting feedback. And that's, I have this like aha moment. I'm like, I have small groups in reading. I have small groups in math. I wonder if there's any possibility that small groups in writing is the answer. And it is. It's totally the answer because in reading, I don't have time to go desk to desk and have everyone read to me as often as they need to be reading. I don't have time in writing to go desk to desk and read the writing as often as they need me to be looking at the writing. But if I pull a small group of writers together every single week, they share with me and with a group, now they are getting more consistent feedback and they're in a group of like-minded writers struggling with similar things so that it helps their confidence a bit. They're not sitting next to their friend who's the super writer and they're embarrassed. So I started doing one writing group per day while my students are independently writing. And so every Monday I met with my Monday group, every Tuesday I met with my Tuesday group and so on. And this made it so I was able to meet with every single writer at least once a week. I could still do a few dusk to dusk conferences, but I kept them to the minimum because I knew that I would be able to bring them to the back table. And this also helped because those mini lessons, you know how hard it is to just talk a little bit. I also knew that if I didn't get to say everything I wish I could have said in the mini lesson, that they'd be coming back to my table and that we could continue the discussion on that topic if we needed to. That my mini lesson could be the introduction and my conference time with them at the back table could be the time to go a little deeper if they needed it. And this really helped my reluctant writers because I got to see what they were doing every single week. I got to fill them and I got to to help move them in the right direction, which they hadn't had before because I was so busy giving the attention to the, the students who were the loudest. I love that. It's so smart. You're right. If we do small groups in every other subject, why don't we do them in writing? And the fact that you're like, you just did one writing small group a day. I think that is so manageable. And I know sometimes teachers get overwhelmed with small groups because you have to figure out the rotation and the scheduling and who you're meeting with when. But even if you're meeting with students once a week in a small group, that can be so much more impactful than obviously no small groups. One of the things I always try to tell my stu- or my the teachers in my audience is that I think sometimes we have this this bad habit as teachers to sort of assume that our whole group instruction should be the time when students master what we're teaching. And so it's like, well, if I do a lesson on it, a whole group, they should be able to implement it independently. But really that's like the, you know, the introduction to it. And then it's the small group and the independent practice and the rest of the year repetition where students really master that. So I love that you just reminded us that we don't have to have them master it just after the whole group. That's what small group is for. Like, that's why we bring them back to the table to provide that reinforcement. Yeah, I think that small group time is where the magic happens in reading and in math. And so when I got thinking about that, I'm like, oh, well, that's missing in my writing block. I don't have that magic time. But I also want to go even further from what you just said. And I want to remind teachers that your students aren't going to master writing even in your grade level. If you look at the writing standards, they stay the same grade to grade, which is kind of confusing, right? Because if they mastered it in third grade, why is the writing standard almost the same in fourth grade and in fifth grade? They change so just a tiny, minute changes. And the reason is you're not going to have published authors by the end of the grade. You are just one stop on their educational journey and you're going to teach into them and they are going to grow. And if you focus on that growth more so than like, they didn't all get perfect scores on the rubric, but how many points 
on average, did your students grow? And you're going to find your reluctant writers are going to grow the most. But sometimes we fail to see it because we're so focused on, yeah, but they didn't get 20 out of 20 or whatever your rubric is. And I think that makes us feel like we're not doing a good job as writing teachers, which continues that bad habit of telling ourselves since we're not good, we're not going to do it as much. What if we started looking at growth and not judging ourselves on the end score, but the growth score? I think that you would start to see yourself as an amazing writing teacher if you looked at that more often. Like pull out their first day of school writing and their last day of school writing. If you don't think you're a good writing teacher, look at those two pieces. I guarantee you, you will feel better. I love that reminder. That is so good because, yeah, I think teachers do get stressed out about this expectation to achieve a certain score, either on a rubric or an assessment or something. And we do forget that there is a lot of growth, I think, especially in the area of writing from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And you're right. We are just one stop on their educational journey. That is such a good reminder. Okay. Anything else that you want teachers to know when it comes to getting reluctant writers excited about writing? Yeah, I think it's important we make writing fun. You know, I think teachers do an amazing job of making reading and math fun. I loved making reading and math fun, but I didn't know how to make writing fun. I don't know. It just seemed like torture to a good portion of my class. So I had to get a little more creative about how can we make writing fun? They're kind of having to sit in one place and write for long periods of time. That's not really how eight and nine and 10 year olds function best, right? And so it was, it was already like a couple of things not working in our favor. There are some really simple ways you can make writing fun. Because I think as teachers, we're like, oh my gosh, I'm not a clown. This isn't a circus. I don't want to put on this three-ring show for them. I don't blame you. Don't do that. You don't have time for that. I'm 100% a believer of working your contracted hours and feeling free to leave without work. So if you're trying to put on this huge show all the time, these craftivities, all these things in the attempt to make writing fun, you're making writing more challenging on yourself. That's not the goal. So a few simple things you can do to make writing fun. Some of these were hard for me at first. And that one of them is that I let my students pick their own writing utensil. What? I know. So I feel like somewhere along the line, and I don't know when it happened, but as teachers, we were told your students will write in yellow, number two, Ticonderoga pencils. And that's that. That's what you write in. And I had that belief. And I love me some Ticonderoga pencils. But I had to push this belief because I thought if I let them write in like pen, and I mean, that scared me. If I let them write in pen, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to like be crossing out. It's going to be ugly. And I started thinking like, so what? Isn't a draft supposed to be kind of ugly? When I'm editing my own work, I end up with this ugly thing at the end. And that's okay. Maybe I'm focused too much on like it being pretty instead of it being fun. So I gave myself permission to put together a a big pot of different writing utensils. I mean, I included gel pens and smelly pencils and mechanical pencils. I included colorful pencils, pens, smelly, all the fun things. And they were only allowed to use these utensils at writing workshop time, which made it special because there's already things that are special about reading and math time. So this was the writing special thing. And at the very beginning of the year, we actually take time to try out different utensils on our paper. Cause I tell them like, I don't write very well with gel pens. It always skips for me. The way I hold my pen, gel pen doesn't work for me. So as pretty as they are, I don't choose that. 
So I let them choose different writing utensils and play with it on their paper until they find the one they love the most. And I let them write with it during writing workshop. Your first thought is like, oh my gosh, I can't erase stuff. And I would not suggest that they use their color pens in math, but in writing, I realized maybe I don't want them to erase stuff. You're reluctant writers. They don't feel confident about what they write. So they write something down and then they erase it. So you come over and you can't help them because you don't even know where they're at. With a pen, they can't erase. And I found that that was helpful, that I could actually see what my students are putting on their paper instead of them being able to erase it when they had this feeling that it wasn't good enough. But just think about how much you love your favorite pen. I know I have a purple flare pen that I took to every staff meeting, and that was just kind of my pen. And if I had to be in a staff meeting on a Friday afternoon, the only way it was made better was by the purple flare pen. So I thought, you know what, maybe my students would feel the same way. And it's just something that simple. You can get different writing utensils through donors choose, maybe some parent donations, sales happen at back to school time. But I just look for those things and stock up the writing center with fun utensils. And even though it sounded crazy at first, it actually worked out beautifully. My students were excited, including those reluctant writers. It's just just a little thing. That is Brilliant. And the thing that I think resonates the most is you're right. Like our reluctant writers want to erase their writing because they aren't confident with it. But when they write with a pen, not only are they having fun, but it makes it easier for the teachers to actually see where they're at and to help them. I mean, I remember looking at students' pages and you could just see the black eraser marks because they've erased it so many times. And I'm like, I don't even know how to help you. So I love that. That is such a good tip. I think in general, the more we give our writers choice, the more fun it will be. And I think for some teachers, that is a challenge. I'm going to admit that I like things to be just so I am a control freak. And so it was hard for me in the classroom sometimes to give all of that choice. But once you push yourself outside that comfort zone and see how much helps your reluctant writers, you're more willing to do it. So I'll let my writers choose where they would write in the classroom. You know what? They did math sitting at their desk. But at writing workshop time, you can write anywhere where you will be successful. And we practice finding good spots where they'll be successful. I found some of my students like to lay on their belly with a clipboard in front. There was kids who like to write on their back. I don't know how. I personally like to write in a desk. So because I like to write in a desk, I assume everyone else should like to write that way. But some like to write on the table. Some like to write on the floor. Some like to write sitting in your beanbag chair or whatever it is in your classroom. And I found they are so used to being told what they must do that every now and again, when you're like, you get to choose, it's already more fun. And I think that was a big eye-opening moment. And that led to my big choice that I let them make is I let them choose the topic they were going to write about. And I know you and I have talked a lot about giving students choice when they read. I'm a hundred percent a proponent of that. I hate being told what I have to read. I almost never like a book that a teacher assigns. I might've liked it if I chose it on my own, but if they assign it, I already don't like it. And so I always let my kids choose their own book. But when it came to writing time, I was like, we will be writing about George Washington. We will be writing about an ocean animal. Like I told them what we were writing about because it made me feel in control. If we're all writing about ocean animals, then I can say, okay, first paragraph is going to be like what your animal looks like. And the second paragraph will be what they eat. And the third paragraph is what, who eats them. And so it made it in my mind easier to teach writing. But what I was doing was I was taking all of the choice out of writing and I was telling them exactly what to do. So when they would get a prompt later on a test where they had to write something, I wasn't there to tell them what to write in every paragraph. They no longer knew what to do. I wasn't their guide there to tell them. When you let them pick their own topic, several things happen. They pick things they love. Some of my kids don't love ocean animals. Crazy, but some don't. 
Some would rather write about a sports player on their favorite sports team. And when I let them do that, they were already more excited. They're like going to get books and articles. And they were talking about it with their parents at home. And they were coming up to me at recess to say, hey, did you know? And so then they couldn't wait for writing time. But it also meant that they had to figure things out, which is it a little bit harder? Yes, but you're willing to work a little bit harder when you love what you're doing. Just like when you read, you're willing to even read a little outside of your your reading level because you love the book or the topic. I found writing to be the same when I gave them choice, which they weren't used to. And I had to teach them how to make choices because they were so used to being told what to do. But once I taught them how to generate their own topics, they thought, oh, this is fun. I'm going to spend 45 minutes writing about something that lights me up. And that is what makes your reluctant writers excited to write. They don't want to write about George Washington. I almost never have a kid who wants to write about George Washington, but there are a lot of other people that they're excited to learn about. I love how many parallels you've highlighted between how we teach reading and how we teach writing. And it all makes sense. And I I also think that sometimes we get nervous to let our students have fun. Like we get nervous to let them choose where they want to sit when they write or choose the color of pen. But it's so smart to actually teach them. Like basically we're teaching them how to have fun during their writing. But it's kind of like when we bring out the math manipulatives, we teach them how to use the manipulatives. So it only makes sense that we teach them how to use pens or to teach them, you know, how to make a good choice. So I love that. And all of those seem like such easy ways to make your writing block more fun without having the teacher have to put on a circus and jump through hoops. They seem like sustainable ways. Absolutely. Now you might have a kid decide to write about video games. I feel like that's where the, every teacher goes. They're like, what if my kid decides to write about video games? And I'm like, awesome. Let them. Like, you're going to learn a lot about video games this year. Cause guess what? Your most reluctant writers are going to choose to write about those things. And when they see that it's okay, They're going to be so excited for this writing, for the next one. You are going to be the different writing teacher that they really needed. And don't forget that when you ask them to write about George Washington, that they don't have as much background knowledge about it. So now they have to be strong readers as well to do well in the writing. And so now you're asking them to tackle two subject areas that they might be struggling in. And when you let them choose the topic they're already interested in, they're usually interested in it because they have background knowledge. So you're already propelling them forward a bit. They already have things they can write about without having to be good readers. That gives them confidence for the first time in writing. I love that. And I, man, I just feel like we could talk all day about (laughs) writing. It really makes me wish that I could go back in the classroom and kind of redo my writing lessons. So I know that you obviously know a lot more about how to teach writing beyond how to get our reluctant writers excited. And so where can my listeners go to find out more about working with you and becoming a better writing teacher? Yes, I love to help teachers just to be more confident, have a better routine for teaching writing each day so that they know what they're going to do in the writing block and it's not overwhelming to them. I want to recommend that your listeners start first by downloading that pacing guide we were talking about earlier in the episode. I know you'll give them a link to that in um, your show notes, but I think that's a really good place to just get started. Like, what does she mean by all these mini lessons? What are you talking about? I think once you see them broken down like that, it's like, okay, I hadn't thought about bringing it down this 
into this small of a piece. So that's the first place I go. But if you want to head over to notsowouldbeteacher.com, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, not so would be teacher. We are always sharing more tips and strategies to help a teacher to become that confident writing teacher who has students who are super excited to write and get disappointed when you cancel writing workshop for the day. I love that. And we will definitely include all of the links to your freebie and your website as well. And y'all, Jamie is the real deal when it comes to helping teachers become better at teaching writing. I have looked at so much of her stuff, listened to a bunch of her trainings. And if you are wanting to commit to becoming a better writing teacher, you definitely need to go check out a bunch of her content because she's got so many great practical tips to share. So I am so glad that you were able to join me on my podcast today and share so many of these great tips with my audience. I know they're going to enjoy it. And this was just a lot of fun. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Sarah. I had a blast. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at The Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at StellarTeacher.com. I'll see you back here next week.